0: THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. CHAPTER 7 OF UP THE RIVER BY OLIVER Optic. A FOG OFF THE FLORIDA COAST The Sylvania was close hauled and I gave out the course of south-southeast. This was the navigation to take the steamer around the peninsula into the Gulf of Mexico though we intended to put in at Key West in order to see the place. Washburn noted the departure on the log slate in the pilot house and as it was necessary for us to run by our dead reckoning the log was heaved every hour. In a short time we were buried in the fog and kept our steam whistle going at the proper intervals. The young ladies soon deserted the pilot house for we were obliged to keep the front windows open and the air was cold and moist. Owen left with them, and my father and Colonel Shepard soon took their places. The owner of the Islander was still too much excited to keep still. He tried to see through the fog, but he might as well have attempted to look through a rocky hill. How far ahead do you think the Islander is now, Captain Alec? asked the Colonel. About eight miles, I should judge, unless Captain Blastblow has succeeded in getting more speed out of the Islander than anyone else ever could, I replied at once, for I had estimated the distance before. Do you think you are gaining on her? I have no doubt of it, I replied confidently. They hurried the Islander down the river and when both vessels are doing their best, the Sylvania gains about a knot an hour on the Islander. I have tried this with her when she had a sailing master on board who knew all about her and had sailed her hundreds of miles. I don't believe Captain Blastblow can do any better with her than Captain Braceback, and I used to beat him every time. I dare say you are quite right, Captain Alec, added Colonel Shepard. It is reasonable to suppose that a man who is used to a vessel can do better with her than a stranger. I got only a glimpse of the islander when the fog lifted for a moment, and I saw only her spars and sails, I continued. I have had considerable experience in judging of distances on the water. I should like to have you ask the others on board how far off they think the other steamer was when we saw her. The colonel liked the suggestion, and he was so much interested in the question that he wished to have the best information he could obtain. I called Washburn first. No one but Hop Tosford at the wheel had heard the conversation, and they could not be influenced by my opinion of the matter. The mate said seven miles. Buck Lingley made it nine miles. And then Ben Bowman was summoned just about eight miles i should say replied ben when the question was put to him no two of them agree though they do not differ widely said the colonel when all who had seen the islander had answered ben bowman has had more experience than all of the rest of us put together i added but colonel if you will average all the answers you will find the result is just eight miles we may all be wrong Captain Blasblow talks louder than the rest of us, but when he beats the Sylvania in a fair stand-up run, I wish you would let me know it, if I don't find it out before you do. I felt almost absolutely certain of the ground I stood on, for I had tried this same issue when the result was almost a case of life and death with me. The Sylvania had been built after the Islander, and her constructor had an opportunity to improve on her model. Our engine was a little more powerful than that of the other yacht, and a defect in the lines of the latter had been corrected in building ours. But the fact of our superior speed had been several times demonstrated by actual trial, and the improvements in our model and machinery only explained what had been proved. It was of course possible that Captain Blastblow had some knack of getting more speed out of the steamer than I had, but I was willing to believe in this case only what was fairly proved. "'We may miss the Islander in this fog,' continued Colonel Shepard, peering anxiously through the fog. "'We may, sir,' I replied. "'There is nothing to prevent her from coming about and running back to Jacksonville.' "'What if she should do that?' asked the owner of the stray yacht. "'We are in dark as to the intentions of her captain, "'and everything depends upon them,' I answered. "'What can his intentions possibly be?' inquired the colonel, "'knitting his brow as he recurred once more to the well-worn topic "'for at least the twentieth time. "'It is quite impossible to conjecture his motives.' He has either made a mistake in regard to his instructions, or he means to run away with the islander. What mistake could he have made in regard to his instructions? demanded the colonel, who had not admitted the possibility for an instant of any mistake. Last night I wrote his instructions to be ready to sail at seven, and sent them off to him by the young man who was with you. "'Did you write seven this morning, sir?' I asked. "'I think I did, though I should not be willing to swear to it,' replied the colonel, looking a little blank at the idea of such a mistake. "'If you said seven, he may have taken it to mean seven this evening,' I suggested. "'He could not have thought we intended to go down the river and cross the bar at night.' I should say not, but Captain Blasblow is a very brilliant man and has been around Cape Horn and the Cape of Good Hope so many times that he ought to know what he is about, I replied, letting out a little of my pique at the commander of the islander for his implications against me, allowing that I wrote 7 p.m. or that I did not write either morning or evening, "'What is Captain Blasblow doing down here?' demanded Colonel Shepard warmly. "'If he understood that you were not sailing till this evening, "'he may have brought the islander out here to try her "'and enable him to get accustomed to her ways before he took on board his passengers. "'That is all the explanation I can suggest, but I don't think it will hold water.' he knows very well for he has been around cape horn several times that if he comes out here in a fog he may not be able to get back to jacksonville in time to take you on board to-night or even to-morrow or next day if captain blastblow had any doubt in regard to my orders he could have sent one of his men up to my house and ascertained just what i intended said the owner rather wrathfully "'That is what I should have done, but Captain Blasblow has had more experience than I have,' I replied with a smile. "'Did you notice anything unusual about the islander or the conduct of those on board her when you saw her this morning, Captain Alec?' continued the colonel. "'Nothing at all, sir.' "'A boat went off to her a few moments before she weighed her anchor,' I answered. There were two persons in the boat when it went alongside the islander but only one returned to the shore in it I concluded some one of her officers or crew had remained ashore overnight and came off in a shore boat I did not think of the boat till you asked the question I don't see that the boat throws any light on the transaction mused the owner we don't know who was in the boat though if we were in jacksonville we could easily ascertain i don't have any idea that we shall know anything about this matter until we overhaul the islander i added we can guess for the next week but we are as likely to guess wrong as right i can't help being considerably disturbed with this mysterious conduct of cast and blastblow but i do not see that we are likely to be any wiser in regard to it as captain alex says till we see the captain replied the colonel we have got to make the best of it and be patient till we learn more what do you think of it major garningham i don't think it is possible to form an intelligent opinion without further information in regard to the facts replied my father I am more inclined to believe that Captain Blasblow has made a mistake of some kind than that he means anything wrong. It would be worse than folly for him to attempt to run away with the steam yacht, for he is sure to be discovered and punished. If it is a mistake or a misunderstanding, it is a very queer one. But I am not disposed to worry about the matter, and I shall try to reconcile myself to the situation, replied Colonel Shepherd, struggling to laugh off his anxiety for the safety of his yacht. I think it was the want of her more than the value of the craft that troubled and vexed him. He was a very wealthy man, and if she was lost entirely to him, it would hardly impair his fortune." We shall do the best we can to solve the problem and overhaul the islander, I continued. But after all, we may miss her. If Captain Blastblow has made a blunder, or there is any misunderstanding, he must soon discover it. If he has only come out here for a trial trip, and should happen to pass us in the fog without our seeing him, he knows the Sylvania will put into Key West. If he gets back to Jacksonville and finds that you have left in our steamer, he will return at once and find us at Anchorage in port. When shall we reach Key West, Captain Alec? asked the Colonel. If we have good weather, it is a run of from 42 to 45 hours. If this fog continues, it will take longer than that. For the navigation is not all plain sailing i replied and you think you can overtake the islander in about eight hours i think so sir but i can't say that we shall come near enough to see or hearer in this fog i answered i think you had better make your party comfortable on board of the sylvania and leave the rest of the matter to me and my officers I am confident that is the better way for you. I am sure Alec will do all he can, both to make you and your family comfortable in the cabin and to find your runaway vessel, added my father. Colonel Shepard yielded to this advice, and I went down into the after cabin with all the passengers to arrange about the staterooms and berths our involuntary guests declared that they were very sorry to make such trouble and especially to disturb our arrangements on board. Both my father and I assured them they made no trouble and that we were not at all disturbed by their presence inasmuch as we had invited them to take the cruise in the Sylvania and were glad to have them on board. I had made a diagram of the cabin and assign rooms and berths to all the passengers, when I supposed they were to sail with us. I proceeded to arrange our guests in accordance with this plan. Let me have a berth in the cabin, Alec, said Owen to me in a whisper. There is no need of that, Owen, I replied. There is room enough for all of you in this cabin, and some to spare colonel and mrs shepherd will occupy the port stateroom as before when they have sailed with us i continued consulting my diagram the colonel protested that he would not occupy the best stateroom but i insisted and went on giving out the apartments miss edith and miss margie will take the starboard stateroom both of them screamed with delight at this disposition of them and Margie declared that I was a dear, good little Captain Alec, though I was bigger in stature than her father. I had given the two larger rooms to those who were to double up in them, and of the two remaining rooms, I gave one to my father and the other to Mr. Tiffany. Owen and Gus were assigned to the two berths next to the rooms, which left two others for Chloe and the steward. The curtains drew out in front of the berths, so that the spaces within them were almost the same as staterooms. All were satisfied. I gave orders to Cobbington to provide tables for all. Leaving the passengers to arrange their baggage in their new quarters, I returned to the deck. The fog was as dense as ever, and we could not see more than a ship's length ahead. Ben Bowman was on the top gallant forecastle, and Buck Linkley on the foreyard, keeping the lookout. We were driving the steamer in spite of the fog, and I had some hope that we might soon get a sight of the chase, or at least hear the sound of her whistle. End of chapter